with that, welcome to the March edition of Post ProRes. I'm John Pollock, reconnecting with the man of the post himself, W.H. Park, as we kick off three straight days of W.H. Park. It's it's another W.H. Park extravaganza this weekend uh, with the long and winding Royal Road and the long and winding Royal Road of WandaVision. It all comes to a conclusion with the making of documentary this Sunday, and W.H. is your man for all of it. How are you, Mr. Park? I'm pretty good, John. We've reopened the store this week, and I've been working with people and with customers in the store since Tuesday. And it's a very odd feeling since, you know, I've been working for the last, oh, I don't know, three months with just, you know, me and coworkers, usually just like me and one other person in the, in like, you know, four story building, um, all to ourselves, just taking care of emails and, and, and denying people entry into the, into the store. Hey, are you guys open? Nope. Go away. But now we can't say that. Now so. you got to deal with people. It's 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 very interesting. It's a it's a very strange feeling, John. What's traffic like in inside the store? Are people venturing out uh, to check out the BMV? Yep. It's uh I I think Monday was the first day open and and Mike said it was pretty busy and then Tuesday was pretty busy. My first day back with people in the store and then uh yesterday was okay. Today was a little slower. So, but I think things will pick up with the weekend, so the weather has been incredible the last few days, but I think that's about to turn, and I think it's going to get back to being cold the next few. But today, I mean, it was up to like 16, 18 Celsius. Did, did you get the weather report from Brandon from New Jersey? He, he likes to tell people about the weather in Canada, even though he's not from here. I muted him, so no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. You know who other you – know, I'm kidding. You know, Brandon's no, in the uh, – I foresee the Brand- direct message coming my way. Brandon's in the uh, in the in the secret chat group, and and so is Neil Flanagan, and and Neil sent me some clips of uh, you guys, on, you and Way on Rewind Dynamite, calling me your man, our man WH, and he he was quite upset about this. Did I did I call you that? Oh well, you, you, no, Way did. Oh, Way did. Was more more upsetting to to Neil Flanagan. So. I, I did like your just shutdown of Neil uh, last week when, <laughs> wait a minute, your man, he sure as hell ain't my man. He's actually a very good friend of mine, but I, I cannot take credit to to being like, you know, he is you and way he's your man. And, and I will not have, never claim that, but he is a good friend. Well, we have a lot to discuss uh, this month. We're going to start uh, with some news here for fans of Post ProRes uh, going on this week through Monday night at midnight Eastern. All members of the Post Wrestling Cafe have a sale. They get 20% off the ever so limited edition Post ProRes t-shirts that are available. Uh, you can get them in black or navy blue. Uh a hell of a design, and I certainly had nothing to do with this design, so this is my completely uh, unbiased take on the image on this shirt, but it is also WH Park approved. Oh, I mean, you know, Robert Pearson designed it. He's done many a shirt for post-wrestling, and just based off on ideas, like I wanted to use kind of like uh, a traditional Japanese imagery, which is the, the Kanagawa wave, and uh, people should look that up. It's a great image of traditional Japan done in the Yukioe block, woodblock cut um, style of art from Japan, and uh, I thought it, thought it turned out great, and it's it looks great on on your body, 
you should buy it, people. It's 20% off the normal price, you know. And, that, you know, speaking of people who've bought it and probably looks great on their bodies, we have two people who've already took advantage of the sale, John. I, I want to thank them. And and one of them is, let me see here. Uh, yes, one is Chris Elliott, whose name I see frequently Yes. on on uh, related to post-wrestling and the, the BDE, I think, as well. And uh, thank you, Chris, very much. Thank you for uh, enjoying the shirt on your body. And as well, I okay, I'm going to take a wild shot at this person's name. Please forgive me if I if I don't say correctly. Uh, Marius uh, Shrevsinski, I think, is the name. Nailed it. Great. Uh, th- Marius, thank you so much for picking up the, the Post Perez t-shirt. And, and Chris, Marius, let me know on Twitter if you like how it looks on your bodies. There you go. Uh, store.postwrestling.com is where you can go. And again, all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, all different levels, you get 20% off through Monday night at midnight Eastern. So let's dive into New Japan Cup season, the 30-man tournament this year. We had two buys with Evil and Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, going to the second round. And the second round kicked off on Thursday with the advancements of Evil, who defeated Jeff Cobb, and Toriyano beat the great Okan. So they have moved on to the Elite Eight. But uh, what are some of your overall impressions thus far, uh, WH, just over uh, – uh, well, now that we're one round deep into the tournament? Um, I've quite enjoyed most of the, the New Japan Cup, to be quite honest with you. There's like some matches I just, I just skipped. What did, what did I skip? Bad luck follow like Toriyano. I thought, nah, I probably won't enjoy that. I'm, I'm pretty certain that that's going to be complete utter shit. So I, I skipped that. But, you know, I got to say, like the, uh, the highlight so far has been, uh, the Shingo Takagi Kazuchika Okada match. I gave that five stars, John. Like that to me is like perfect for wrestling. And what, was, one of the best it, matches this year. It was incredible. It's to me, it's definitely been the match of the tournament so far. <sighs> I, I couldn't believe the bumps Okada was taking. And this man has two slip discs, and he's still working through all the, these injuries. But he took a superplex off the top rope with two slip discs in his back. And that's pretty crazy to me. And and Okada is just, like, on a different level. But Shingo Takagi, to me, is in is a front-runner for being wrestler of the year so far. Uh, he certainly would be in that running. Do you feel that I understand it's – it's just the mentality and the way things are done. But we're talking about shows here that are drawing. I mean, the, the Oda Ward gymnasium show did like 1400, but that is like the high point of this tournament. We're talking like three figure attendances for most of these shows. Could we give Okada this, this tour off? Uh, yes. I, like, I don't, this think- guy does not need to be an undercard tags where we're doing a thousand people tops. It's not going to decimate attendance. Attendance is already decimated. I do not need to see this guy having to come out even in, in multi-bands on these undercards now that he's out of the tournament. I think, you know, with the kind of match he had with Shingo, you could have easily done a storyline where you could have, you know, had him do a, a, a stretcher job and then have him off the rest of the tour. But, I mean, it would be – you would have to apologize on every show to the fans. You know, like, oh, we're sorry he's not here if you wanted to see him. But – you, you, there are ways, we're also there are hoping that a ways. decade from now you'll be able to see this guy in some form or fashion as well. So we're kind of uh, playing the long game here. I mean, they took him out of the tournament right away, so I don't see why he needs to. Like you're saying, John, I don't see. I don't see why he needs to be on these undercard tags. Just go home and you know convalesce, get some surgery, maybe. 
Him, him and Naito. I mean, they're both, uh, they were both taken out of the first round, but they are, uh, continuing on here. Um, some other notable, uh, first round matches. I would say if you're going back to, uh, check anything out, I would definitely recommend, uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Sonata was a pretty excellent main event. I really enjoyed Zack Sabre Jr. and Gabriel Kidd. And what did you think of the performance of Hiroyoshi Tenzon? This might have been his best singles match in a decade. Oh, I, I was really pleasantly surprised by by Tenzon, you know, really stepping up to the plate against Will Ospreay there and and just showing like, hey, you know, my generation, the third generation, as they like to call themselves, you know, can still hang Kojima. I thought his match with with Cobb was really good as well. N- and- Nagata, too, like the the older guys have brought it in this opening round when called upon. I think they're just trying to show, hey, we we can still go. And you know, I with that being said, John, like Minoru Suzuki versus Tomaki Hama, Hama, holy oh my shit. god, that what a renaissance! That was Honma easily, easily his best performance since he came back from the neck injury. I thought the same thing. Like this was Honma of 2014. Uh, and 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 conversely, John, like one of the shittiest matches I've seen was. Uh, it was uh, Tohanare versus Jay White, and and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put equal blame on both. Like I don't think Tohanare like really took advantage of the spot. And I thought it up. was really disappointing. I think if you're gonna give any credit in that match, to me it was Jay White because to me it was a big, it was the biggest match of Hanare's career, and I I did not think um, he took advantage of it. Like I I was disappointed in that match because that was one that stood out to me as. Like, that's a huge match for him. And, yeah, I did not think it really reached that level or anywhere close. Yeah, and, you know, for me, it's just, like, same Switchblade match. And I'm like, ah, I tuned out. I was just, like, bored of it right away. I was like, come on, Hernari. You can do it. And nothing happened. And we'll see. I, I really feel sorry for this guy. I really think there's so much potential. And he's just, cause, just been kind of snake-bitten by the pandemic last year and, yep. and other things. So hopefully things turn around for him later this year. Uh, what are you looking for? Kind of what's – what are kind of your uh, your short list of uh, predictions for who's going all the way here? I I'm, I'm looking at the left side with like Takagi, Suzuki, Kenta, Goto, Yano, Evil, and and I'm really feeling Shigo Takagi here, John. I, I think I think he certainly has to be the favorite on that side of the bracket. I'm figuring we get Takagi and would you say Kenta in the next round? Yeah. I, I'm I'm really going for, like Kenta's. I think also on a roll, especially character wise. I, I think he's one of the more compelling you know, personalities in the company. Um, and I liked his match with Juice Robinson. I thought that was a really great performance from from him. And Juice was good in there. I think that's one of be- Juice's best performances um, since coming back. Uh, you know, from the because of the pandemic and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm going with Takagi as the finalist on the left side, and then the the, the right side's a bit more open. In my opinion, I, I, I'm thinking either Sonata or Osprey are kind of the favorites. Like I, I'm looking forward to this this uh, semi. I think it's a semifinal. I, I think David Finley's going to go over Yoshihashi, and he's going to face Jay White, who's going to go over Tanahashi. And I'm 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 really looking forward to that because I I do think like Finley and Jay White have because of their history together have some really interesting chemistry. And then you know maybe it's David Finley's time finally to to kind of just get a push in this company i i I think he's looked great i think he's in the best condition of his life and he's his wrestling is really really on point as well and i haven't seen any of his impact stuff with with uh, juice as a tag team but like i'm sure you know 
having all that experience has really helped him a lot. But I, I'm going to go either it's going to be Osprey or Sonata in the finals with Takagi. I think they might want to do the rematch with Takagi and Osprey again. That's that's my thinking here. Do you think that's too big to, to do that for uh, the the final here in the New Japan Cup? I'm that's what I'm leaning towards is is that and either winner you can go with to to headline Sumo Hall in April. Um, I mean, too big. I mean, they're they're we're going to talk about these two shows are going to do, John. Well, <laughs> yes, um, they have some ambitious plans and uh, a strange time to be doing it. But um, just uh, quickly to update the schedule. So on Saturday, uh, it's Shingo Takagi and Hiroki Goto on the same show as Minoru Suzuki and Kenta. So. Those should be two really strong matches. Sunday is Osprey, Zack Sabre Jr., and Yuji Nagata against Sonata. That's another excellent pair. And then Monday at Korkun Hall is Tanahashi, Jay White, and David Finley, Yoshihashi. So probably going to get some great wrestling throughout the uh, the final stretch of this tournament, given the names, especially on that right side of the bracket. Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they're doing the Sabre, you know, Osprey rematch, Nagata, Sonata. I, I think that should be good. I... John, I'm just excited to see, like, Takagi versus Goto, oh, two of my favorites. This is uh, New Japan, I think, really trying to reach, like, the WH Park demographic. I mean, this is, uh, to me, the most engaged you've sounded in, like, New Japan booking in some time. Well, I, I, I put out a tweet, like, how much I've enjoyed recent New Japan. And I, I to be honest, like, I, I really – one thing I do that helps a lot is, like, I skip the undercard matches because I don't watch any of this, this stuff live for the most part. And just – the less Bullet Club I watch, the more excited I get about New Japan. And, like, it, it it's funny because, like, all the stuff I get excited about is just, like, wrestling. The, the, that's what they're really good at. It's because they have some really awesome wrestlers on their roster. And when I just see them doing wrestling and no bullshit, it, it, it's amazing how much I get engaged with the company. I think there's a lot of people who think the same way I do. It's been such an albatross for evil. Like watching the Jeff Cobb match, it was for, for the betterment of the match. They had Cobb work pure babyface in the match, but it was still all the usual antics with Dick Togo. And it's such a killer. It's just grinds the match to a halt for me. And I think evil more than anyone, I think suffers from it. I mean, I'm not as uh, affected by it watching Jay White, but with evil, I just think like this is a guy that has. It hit a wall for me with any kind of momentum uh, that this heel turn has brought upon and where he's positioned now. He just feels like a very cold character. And I can say about, you know, Jeff Cobb, who I, you know, like been a little critical of recently, but I have really enjoyed this stuff he's been doing since he's joined up with Osprey and Great Khan. I, I think being kind of a more aggressive wrestler and being less of a baby face has really, really helped him because that's more akin to like the, you know, his character that he had in, in Lucha Underground, which I thought was some of his best work. And that I was agree. earlier, you Agreed. know, he was great as Matanza under the mask. I thought he was tremendous. Uh, and sorry, yeah, go ahead. I just think with Cobb, they need to just push him as this killer and, and just, he just needs to like really step up and bring out that kind of more aggressive side to his personality. Uh, before we move on to these show announcements, uh, the last thing, how is the experiment of the great Okan going for you? We kind of had the two extremes in this tournament. He gets the big win over Naito, and then he falls to Toriyano in the second round. But overall, with this character, he's a major project for New Japan. How is it going so far? I I like him, to be quite honest with you. I, I don't mind his, his gear. I, I, I tend to think he's just... Just keep wearing the pants, the baggy pants, instead of wearing the trunks. 
Um, if he if he ever turns like a serious wrestler, okay, go to the trunks and just be a serious wrestler. But as his character, I think he should wear the pants all the time. Um, I think being I, I tend to think he's the more important member of United Empire more than Osprey is. And I like when he's teaming with Cobb. I think they would make a really excellent tag team. And and New Japan is actually quite you know quietly developed a really strong roster of tag teams. But the unfortunate thing is they don't book tag teams very well. But I I think there's a lot of promise in him. I thought the Naito match was great. Um, and you know I think people just can't get over his look. And I understand that. I'm I'm totally on board with like you know you have to judge people by their aesthetics as well. But there's something about him that I think there's promise in him. I don't, I don't think he's a main eventer yet, but I think there is enough potential in him that he could get there someday. So uh, at the anniversary show, they made the announcement that this coming May, they have booked not one, but two stadium shows. On May 15th, they're running Yokohama Stadium. And not to be outdone, 14 days later, they will run the Tokyo Dome. On May 29th for Wrestle Grand Slam. More like Wrestle Failure. I mean, that thing's not going to do any business, John. <laughs> what are they going to put in the main event of either show? They don't have anything that's going to draw a stadium. What uh, What can they – like how many people can they put in to the Tokyo Dome right now? Like what are the restrictions? Like I thought it was like a max of 5,000. I, I don't think they're going to get 5,000. Why would you want only 5,000 people in the Tokyo Dome? Like, 5,000 will look terrible in there. I don't know why they're running the Tokyo Dome more than once a year. You know, like, or in this case, three times a year now. I Unless mean, they're I guess, getting, like, a, even, like, a sweetheart deal on the rent for this thing, it's still, to me, visually going to be, like, I don't care what you, it's, like, look what they're drawing right now. This is hardly a, a great, like, even... Even what they are able to put in there, like you look at what they just drew at Osaka Joe Hall, like the first night it was, they are not drawing well, even by the the limits of capacity, like they are not hitting that. So this is extremely ambitious to just throw in not one, but two. And yeah, to your point, like you have to do this big title match April 4th and then set up some big stuff for these shows in May. It's a very curious decision of why, why now? I, I, I just think you're, you're I think you hit the nail on the head like they're getting some kind of sweet deal from the Tokyo Dome and from the Yokohama Stadium I mean that's a baseball stadium that's an outdoor baseball stadium like like they better hope the weather's okay you know for one thing uh the Tokyo Dome I just don't like you know it just reminds me back of the early 2000s John where like New Japan was just running the Tokyo Dome like every quarter and it was the start of their downfall and i'm not i'm not predicting that this is the start of their downfall but just, maybe they'll bring back ultimate crush wh ultimate crush oh yeah maybe they can like uh, you know he's in bad health i'm not gonna say anything bad about antonio noki but like the the philosophy of that era which didn't serve new japan very well i'm not saying it's a return of anokianism into new japan but there's some really weird business decisions in that company. And it, it's funny. I think a lot of this coincides with the departure of Harold May. I don't know if there's a relationship between like, oh, let's do these shows that are really ill-advised and not well thought out and the departure of Harold May from the company. Who knows? Maybe he was like, hey, let's be more fiscally responsible. Let's reel it in. And maybe the other people were like, let's go forward. We need to go forward with everything. 
Well, I just wonder that if if this is a case that these these stadiums were somewhat booked recently, like how much this throws a curveball into whatever your booking plans are. Like to me, you have to put in something big, and if that means uh, putting your Abushi Okada match and ramping it up to do in May instead of that being a focal point coming out of G1 or something, like you do have to put a really significant main event into these two stadiums. I don't know what that is. <laughs> like they had, well, that, that's it. It's like you are working with the roster you have and it's going like, I, I don't know what you can even hotshot that again, where we may only be talking about drawing 5,000 people, but it's just a very curious decision that you would want to hotshot something where, it's a limited amount of audience anyway, and it's – I don't know. It's a very strange decision to be making. I think the only thing to my mind that would pique people's interest enough to go to another Tokyo Dome show this quickly after Wrestle Kingdom would be if the forbidden door is wide open, John, and and Kenny Omega, Ken Chan, shows up to fight Ibushi. And he collects another belt, which would be like for me, I would just be like, hate that. But, you know, but but you know what? Like, even even if they agreed to this, AEW has got that pay-per-view the day after this Tokyo Dome show. So it's uh, it's not even a case where they could send any of their key talent over here, which would require your two weeks of quarantine. Like the other way around would make a whole lot more sense of Japan talent being sent to the US where you don't have those same restrictions to get into this country. But I, I don't even think that's a card you you can play. I no, I mean that I'm just trying to tease all the the AEW uh, fans that are listening to this with. Uh, well, I'm sure people are thinking door. that direction of like what what can you put in some of these cards, and people are going to be speculating about something like that. But outside talent, like that's the only thing I can think of that. W- but even then, I don't know like what would be a big enough uh, like outside you know talent match that like someone from Noah. I don't think that's happening. All Japan. I, 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 as much as I love all Japan, I don't think there's anything there. Like Miyahara versus, you know, Ibushi or Okada, maybe versus Tanahashi, but I don't know, John. Like, I don't think those are very likely. So we haven't talked about this yet, but, um, I just want some of your thoughts on, on what they're doing with the IWGP world heavyweight title. Because if you're not up to date, uh, Jay White beat Toahanare. And then he said he's going to go all the way, win this New Japan Cup, and beat Ibushi. And then he's going to separate the titles. And his plea to Hiroshi Tanahashi in the next round is, lay down for me so that I do this and therefore preserve your history. So somehow Jay White has this power to separate the titles. Apparently Tanahashi doing this exact same thing, he cannot. He has to live vicariously through Jay White being able to do this. Uh, where are you at on this unification storyline and and what they're doing with it? I think it's really become more convoluted than it already was with the inclusion of Jay White into it. Um, like, I does think anyone kind of have the power to just win this title and then they can magically create two belts out of it again? There, that's not a unification. That's just simply uh, that's not a unification if you can just separate I, the titles again. Did did he get the new belt? I don't know. I don't think we've seen the new belt yet. No. So it's still two belts. So yeah, you know, maybe Jay can can separate them. I don't know. I, I I think it's I think the whole unification is stupid. I think they should have had Naito win the IC title. <laughs> they perfect. Get yourself out of this corner you have painted yourself in for the last year. As far as these two belts go, um, I I don't like it, John. I'll be honest. Like I don't like this idea of like starting a new lineage. 
And so what are you going to do for the opening montage of champions? Like just start with fucking Kota Ibushi by himself? That'd be foolish to get rid of that. I mean, that would just be so silly. I I don't think anyone's going to disregard the lineage, but to take a drastic step where you're not acknowledging – like that is just so – like there are companies that, I mean, do not embrace their history, but New Japan is not one of them. And that to me is such a – that's such a great thing to have is when you had that history to link a title that goes all the way back and you can go through all the champions. I mean, it sets the context of the match right there for you that here are these performers on the shoulders of those that had come previously. And that's such a great – like pr- that video is just so synonymous with these big title matches. I think it would be so foolish to get rid of that. Oh, I, I look at the names that you see there. Mudo, Chono, Hashimoto, and then like Bob Vader – Bob Sapp. Well, he was a huge public, you know, yeah, Sapp, star. It was like, if you didn't live through Bob Sapp, I mean, he's a bit of a, you know, joke now. But, I mean, the man was at a, at a level of popularity few have experienced uh, in the Japanese combat sports realm. But it, it's such it's such a shame. It, like, if you don't have, like, and then how, what about the IC title? Like, are you going to combine the two and, and just form one i don't know it's just I'll, I'll wait to see what actually happens with the giant but i just sep- just separate the belts and just if you're gonna do one then do what they say you know they say used to say we're gonna seal this title right and that means they, they would just merge it with the heavyweight title and so just seal the icy title then that's fine like and then bring up the the never title like i think being on tanahashi and but previously it being on Takagi really elevated that belt a lot. And and it could be your new IC title. I think Tanahashi made this comment like he wants to elevate the Never title to IWGP status. So like maybe at some point he's going to change the name of that to reflect it being more like like it, the, the IWGP something something title. And it keeps the lineage of the never of the never championship, and then it could be your secondary title, which is fine for me. But just don't get rid of the the heavyweight title lineage. Uh, we also had uh, the crowning of El Desperado as the new junior heavyweight champion with Hiromu Takahashi out for a long period of time with a torn pectoral muscle. And how did you feel his performance went with the match with Kota Bushi? I thought they did a really strong job at Budokan. Oh, I, I'm a big fan of El Desperado. I thought the the match in the three-way where he won the title was great. I think, you know, any match where I actually, you know, Give give anything with with El Fantasmo uh, a four star rating is like it has to be great and that I credit all that to El Desperado, um, but I thought his performance with with uh, Ibushi was great because I I felt he belonged there with him you know like to me it's like he's someone like you could make your junior ace for for the duration that Hiromu Takahashi is out have him have like a great you know title defense run and then eventually you can bring him up to be a heavyweight and i think he's so charismatic that he 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 could easily just put on a little bit of extra poundage and fit in with everyone else in that company and i think he would be both a great babyface and he'd be make an excellent heel in that company and you need credible heels who can who actually wrestle that and he'd be an excellent addition to that yeah i think that the i mean there's really it's Tough to look at a silver lining um, when a major star is out for that amount of time, but it does feel like this is going to be Desperado's division until Hiromu comes back. And you've created a big match for Hiromu to come back to and kind of build up this junior heavyweight division in his absence and find some, you know, credible challengers to really put a lot of emphasis because that certainly was the tone that was being set this year was this junior heavyweight title being a main event 
title. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see you know who steps up. I think you know Desperado versus Shotanaka has the potential to be a really great matchup, which is something I think they'll do. Um, I, I like them to clear up the situation with the junior type tag titles. I think him and you know Kanemaru can lose those belts. Kanemaru can take the pin and just free Desperado to be a single star. Well, that is going to conclude the uh, the New Japan portion of the show, and we're going to shift focus to uh, the card that ran at Budokan Hall the day after uh, New Japan's anniversary card, and that was Stardom with their All-Star Dream Cinderella event, marking their 10th anniversary uh, that drew 3,318. That was the announced attendance, uh, which was slightly above the New Japan show of the day prior, and this was... Uh, Pretty excellent show and airing on pay-per-view in Japan as well. Yeah, I I really enjoyed this show. You, do you know, like, uh, March 3rd is actually a holiday in Japan, John. It's uh, yeah, Hina Matsuri. And Hina Matsuri means, like, girls festival. So Hina means, like, princess kind of in Japanese. And then it's a celebration of, like, uh, you know, daughters and, and girls in Japan. Like so if you were if you and your family lived in Japan, John, you would have to buy these these dolls and put them out in, in your living room and it's a very elaborate setup. I'll send you the the link to the Wikipedia article later. But okay. uh, it's a very it can be a very expensive uh a ceremony for for Japanese families, but it's it's really interesting. So I thought it was really nice that you know Stardom's 10th anniversary show at Budokan was was on Hinamatsuri Day, and I you know outside of one thing, which was the the, the battle royal, I thought this was a from top to bottom an excellent show, and I thought the culmination of one of the, the best storylines, which was the Julia versus Tam Nakano feud, and and just a really emotional ending to that to to that feud, and um. You know, yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about it. Let's just get the Battle Royal out of the way. It was called an All-Star Rumble. And I'm not a big fan of, like, Battle Royals in general, John. I, it's one of my least favorite gimmicks in wrestling. But the, the, the problem with this one is that they, they decided to include in this, you know, Joshi Battle Royal, like, tons of, you know, you know p- prominent women in, in the industry, in the scene. And then they added comedy male wrestler Kikutaru, who is doing kind of, like, uh, a pervert gimmick he's trying to touch women's breasts he ended up touching the breasts of like you know chikisa nagao nagoya like who's you know she's a legend one of the crush gals and i just was watching this i just like felt so uncomfortable and i why who fucking booked this like was this rose ogawa is he is he this stupid i don't think he is because like he's pretty good booker in general uh but you know, if you're gonna watch the show and you haven't seen it yet, just skip that. It's not worth the time, um, and it's just ugh, just leaves me just left a big, you know, big uh, feeling of uneasiness after having to watch that on this otherwise excellent show. So you were posting your match by match reviews, and it was almost in sync with when I started watching the show, but I was a match behind you. And I saw your warning of the Battle Royal, and I looked at the length of this show, and I was like, I – life is too short. I am skipping this Battle Royal. I can save that time, and I just skipped it over. So I had a very positive viewing experience of this show because there was no Battle Royal to uh, bog down this show for me. If only I had someone like me, John. <laughs> There's only one WH Park, unfortunately. That that burden is on your shoulders. Uh, but the opener um, – Azumi and Natsupoi for the high speed championship. This one went 743. 
this was as solid as uh, of an opener as you're going to get. They just were fantastic together. Uh, it culminated with a straight jacket bridging German uh, by Natsupoi to win the high speed championship. But these two just immediately set the pace for this show. And uh, <laughs> this is like the best uh, under eight minute opener you could ask for. I, I think every company in wrestling should strive to have an opener, especially for like something that's on pay-per-view or, or as big a show as this with that Natsupoi and Azumi did on, on this show. And I, you know, it's funny. I look at this time, John, 741 and I, and I feel it's like, well, I felt both longer than that, but not in a bad way. It felt like it was more like grander, a grander match than like a 741 match would be. Um, Natsupoi is just, I, I've been a big fan of her, you know, since she was in stardom originally and then she left to do, you know, TJPW and she did a bit of actress girls as well. So I was really happy when she returned to the company and, uh, you know, being part of Donna Del Mundo and she and Azumi just, just gel really quickly. And I, I think, you know, Azumi as, you know, she's a stardom trueborn. I, you know, you can see like they have big plans for her, like down down the line. In the next five years, she's gonna be on a level with like Mayu Iwatani and and like what Io Shirai was in the company. And just keep an eye on her. She's she's as she gets older, it's gonna be even more clear that her and Starlight Kid are gonna be like the big stars of this of this promotion. Uh, the next match was for the Goddesses of Stardom titles with uh, Himeka and Micah defending against Natsuko Tora and Saki Kashima. So this was Donna Del Mundo versus Oedo Tai. And it ended with this double choke slam uh, by the champions uh, delivered to Tora. And then Micah pinned Kashima with this Michinoku driver uh, that they explained was taught to her by its namesake, Taka Michinoku. Yeah, Micah comes from uh, JTO, Just Tap Up, which was, you know, Taka's new promotion after he was kicked out of uh, K-Dojo, the promotion he founded, and then they became 2AW, and, and she she was a trainee, and then she, you know, joined up with Stardom, and then she's now a contracted wrestler with Stardom. Um, yeah, she she was trained by Taka Michinoku. I, I, I like this match. I don't think it was great or anything, but it was it was, it was was short. It was under seven, eight minutes as well. And I, I got to say, one thing I really liked about this match, John, was all the gear. Everyone looked amazing. I think Natsuko got some like some new gear. She looks way better than before, and and Saki always looks good. But yeah, I, like Micah especially, she's really stepped up her gear game. Oh, just kiss to everyone in this match for that. It was like prevalent throughout, and it's like you, you can't really compare the two. But it was like just watching, you know, New Japan show the day before their anniversary show, and this one. It's like for New Japan. It's just another stop in like the never ending tour. And this, it totally had the feel of this is the biggest show in company history. And you really, to me, lent into the significance of running Budokan Hall for stardom. Uh, and it just felt like just such a bigger, more important event than, you know, the, the day prior. I, I love the production of this show, like the sets that they created for it and, and kind of how they were shooting it. I just thought, wow, this, this does feel like. A big deal, and like you're saying, John, like for the the what is it, the 49th anniversary for New Japan is just like, oh, it's another show. Yeah, it's not Wrestle Kingdom, but it, it's it's on our calendar. Uh, there were some videos sent in from uh, Io Shirai and uh, Kairi Hojo, Kairi Sane, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi also sent in a video. So those were our uh, our cameo appearances, but uh, not appearing live was uh, and and, and oddly, oddly enough, it was Hiroshi Tanahashi who had the best hair. <laughs> yes, he definitely did. Uh, he it, it, maybe he's gonna have to put that hair on the line to to fill one of these stadiums. 
That might be all they can have. I, no one wants to see that, John. No one wants to see Tanahashi lose his hair. There would be tears in the crowd, I think. I, there would be tears in my house. <laughs> uh, Momo Watanabe versus Nane Takahashi. So Takahashi, 42 years old against the 20-year-old Watanabe. Um, they had a pretty intense match here. It, uh, Nane, uh, uh, Takahashi won with the one-second X, which is a sit-outside power slam uh, with a chicken wing applied. They went 10 minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, they exchanged uh, B drivers as well uh, throughout this. And uh, it was essentially the, the story here of, you know, the the older veteran uh, coming back and outdoing the uh, the younger Watanabe. So, you know, they they played a video before this and showing kind of like the, explaining the history of Nanai Takahashi and, and Momo Watanabe. So, you know, Nanai Takahashi, for people who don't know, she formed the, the promotion Seedling uh, with uh, Yoshiko because of the, the Akiyasakawa incident and, you know, Yoshiko had to leave stardom. And so Nanai Takahashi took her side and, and they formed Seedling together. So this is kind of Nanai's return to stardom. But like, you know, she, when she was in stardom, she was one of the trainers in the company. And, you know, Momo was a young you know, teenager being trained to, to become a wrestler. And she would lose matches to people like, you know, uh, you know, Kairi Hojo and, and Io Shiri, but also to Nanai Takahashi. So this is kind of like, you know, they were playing up this high, whole idea of like, well, I've been waiting years to get my hands on you in terms of like Momo thinking this. And I, this is my favorite match on the show, John. I thought it was so intense and violent. And just to me, it, it really illustrates like Momo being kind of put on the wayside by Bushi Road for, for some of the other talents on on the roster is it's a real shame because I think Momo's so different from everyone else on, on this, in this company. And she proved like, she's as good a wrestler as anyone. And there was a point like, you know, when she beat Io Shirai for the wonder of stardom title and ended Io's like kind of legendary run with that belt, like that I thought, okay, she's, it. she's the next Io Shirai of this company. And then like, you know, like Bushiro took over and they, they wanted to focus more on, you know, kind of the idols, you know, of the company, like, you know, Mayu and, and at the time, Kahana Kimura and then Julia stepped in. But I think you can push Momo Watanabe and her work alone is going to make her fit into the upper echelon of stardom. Uh, Shuri versus uh, Konami for the SWA undisputed women's title. Uh, this started off with like a lot of grappling and we got a draping DDT off the top by, by Shuri and then Konami rolled to an arm bar and it ended here where uh, Shuri's selling her left arm. There's all these submission attempts by Konami and then goes back to the stretch muffler, which she calls the white tiger and uh, ends up with the tap out at eight minutes and 20 seconds here, but certainly heavily grappling based uh, match. And this was a match that I, I think had like its own distinct flavor from everything else as well. Yeah. This is the one that I was a little bit disappointed with because I was expecting more for one thing. I think both Konami and Shuri have shown that they're really excellent grappling style wrestlers. And they, there's a lot of story between Konami and Shuri because, you know, Konami was, uh, you know, uh, uh, the apprentice of, you know, WWE's Asuka when she was in Japan as, as Kana. And then one day, you know, Kana says to Konami, and who's living with her in her house, by the way, says, I'm going to WWE. Bye. 
So, you know, Konami's kind of legit devastated by all this. And then she gets taken in by Shuri, who takes her under a wing. And she, I think she moves in with Shuri for a while. And, and so there's this whole personal history between these two. So I was like, oh my God, they're going to have like 15 minutes of just like beating the shit out of each other. But it didn't happen. And so I, I was kind of disappointed. I, I think there's a better match from both of these women. And I, I think it, it can go 15 to 20 minutes. And it, I'm just hoping that please do that sometime down the road and just make it for like anything could be for this, this title, which I'm not a huge fan of, or it could be for the wonder storm title or, or you no title at all. I don't care, John. I just want to see Shuri versus Konami again, but with like a longer time limit. I, I can see that. I mean, this was, you know, certainly when the matches that we're going to get into, you could see like where the time was going to be allocated for the kind of the big three on this show, which were uh, coming up, starting with, Mayu Iwatani and Yoshiko that uh, we have discussed the whole backstory of this and setting up this match and uh, pros and cons for it. But I'm going to say, WH, the end result was a pretty phenomenal match. I thought this was pretty excellent. And uh, you can say what you want about Yoshiko. She played like the bully role to a tilt here. And I just think Mayu Iwatani might be the best babyface underdog regardless of gender. Oh, I, I wouldn't disagree with you on that front. I think Mayu is so great. And she was the perfect person for – if you were going to book Yoshiko for a match on the show, I think Iwatani was perfect for what she represents in stardom and how she can play off of Yoshiko. I, I thought this worked really well. Oh, I, I, I love this match as well. And you know, I'm kind of getting – slowly over the you know my dis- distaste for like yoshiko and the, the stemming from the act yasakawa incident but they, they played off each other really well this is a, it was a great match i rarely recommend people watch this um yeah maya is just fantastic i she, she her ability to draw people in with her her, her selling it's and her facial expression is like i i can't think of anyone like in any part of the world who's as good as her like maybe Maybe Tanahashi is was like this before, but like I think she's eclipsed like so many people in all of wrestling. I and when I read when I read that that tweet of yours, or it was in one of your reviews, I think I just thought, yeah, John's nailed it right in the head. Uh, Mayu had this frightening dive onto Yoshiko on the floor. I thought she was dead. <laughs> I she was grabbing her head after this, and it was like the most frightening looking dive. She's crazy. She she does like her uh, her uh, crazy you know spots to to the outside and from you know I'm just glad she didn't decide to like roll down the stairs of uh, Budokan Hall. Um, she also absorbed these huge strikes and just collapses. Um, there were these short arm clotheslines. Mayu kicks out at one. Then we go into the stretch of near falls, and then there's the dragon suplex hold by Iwatani. Only gets a two count before she wins with the moonsault press. 15 minutes and 8 seconds. I highly recommend this match. I thought it told a fantastic story, and uh, I, I just thought this was a big success. And I had my reservations. Like, it's I'm, I'm not crazy about what this is necessarily saying, and using Yoshiko, it's a really, really awful incident, but uh, I, I can't deny that the match was a, f- a fantastic one that these two had. 
yeah, I, I definitely go my highest recommendation as well, along with like the Takahashi Watanabe match. Now, did you can you explain like what happened here in the post match? Like she addressed Yoshiko. It came across like it was almost like her kind of extending the olive branch to Yoshiko. That's how I took it. Pretty much like because like they they, of course, have a large history together. And like I think one of the, the key points with them was that, you know, they're if you saw like Damon Abraham's like, you know, documentary about stardom, you 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 learned a lot about my personal history and how she mm-hmm. became a wrestler, her troubled like youth. And there were times like I think Mayu wanted to quit being a wrestler and but Yoshiko said, No, you you have to be a wrestler. You're destined to become a great wrestler. And, you know, she's credit credited Yoshiko for like kind of saving her from from leaving wrestling. So it was kind of like I thank you for having this match with me. Thank you. You know, like you left Sardom because of this incident you, you formed another company but you came back to have this match with me in like Budokan Hall like you know it meant a lot to Mayu and I think you know like the kind of reconciled I you know maybe legit on stage in front of anyone that would that would be really cool uh, but you know I I don't think this is the the last we'll see of Yoshiko in stardom I think you're going to see a lot more cross promotion with both um, you know, seed ring and stardom and maybe the, you know, the, the marvelous promotion. I would love to see like more Takumi Aroha in stardom as yes. well. So like, let's hope that that's in the cards for the rest of 2021. Yeah. And she had some fantastic matches with, uh, with Mayu last year. Um, Utami Hayashishida and Saya Kamatani for the world of stardom championship. Um, this was like great. It was, uh, just under 16 minutes they went. Uh, some of the highlights included, uh, uh, Utami going to the floor and Kamatani landed a Topicon hero and then immediately had to get some water to refresh. Uh, Kamatani then hit a Canadian destroyer. Uh, there was a star crusher only getting a two count for that. And then Utami is going for the hijack bomb. It's countered with Arana hooking the leg. She kicks out and then there's a spinning hijack bomb and Hayashishita retains the title in 1548. Uh, uh, Utami has only been wrestling two and a half years. Kamatani has been wrestling for a year and a half. And that is phenomenal. Yeah, do you remember seeing her last year, John, at uh, Shinkiva First Ring at the Storm Show we went to? And you were telling me that she's been wrestling for less than a year. Yeah, and now look at her. Like, I, I thought she had potential. I didn't think she would like get this far. Like, where she, I, I thought, well, she belongs in this world title match with, you know, Utami, who is just like a prodigy at wrestling. I feel um the only problem with this match for me and you know it's a minor one is that i didn't think there was any danger of, of hayashishida losing the title to I don't think Ka- kamitani was, yeah mm-hmm. but they still had a, a, a really well-worked match and kamitani also great job as the underdog babyface in this match yeah I, i'm just blown away that like where she is in her and really it goes for both of them like we're talking like hayashishida is this veteran it's like jesus christ she's been wrestling since <laughs> Like 2018? That's insane. It's it's really, I think, a testament to like the training system they they have in Stardom, and how they develop their their young talents to kind of like really you know progress very quickly. Like they're not spending like five years of their career as young lions and ho- hoping for an excursion to go somewhere and then come back repackaged or anything. Like from the get go, they're kind of like, okay, this is where we see you, and then we're 
We're going to put you in factions. We're going to have you be mentored by the veteran wrestlers on the card and they're going to take part in your training. And, you know, like I, I do believe like, you know, Milano Collection AT, he does help come into the, the Stardom Dojo to help train a lot of the talent there. And, you know, with certain wrestlers, you can see, ah, like, uh, they're they're using more grappling that he's well known for so it, it's really cool to see that but the base has always been there for like producing like amazing talents like mayu and Kyrie sane are like two examples of like the the success of that dojo system that they have and then uh Shishita was confronted by b Priestley, and that sets up a title match for april the 4th uh with those two yeah, I don't think there's any danger Tommy's losing that belt. I, I think they're probably going to build to her versus Julia for the World of Sharp title. Uh, I could certainly see that, yeah. Um, Julia and Tam Nakano was the main event, the big match for the Wonder of Stardom title, hair versus hair match. And early in the match, a table is set up on the floor by Julia. They got on top of this table, and Julia lifts Nakano, as the table's legs are shaking, this was incredibly uh, frightening to watch. And she hits this pile driver, breaking the table. But my God, could this have gone terribly wrong? Good thing Tony Storm wasn't in the building. This was uh, – yeah, the uh, the magic touch would have broken this thing. Uh, so uh, there's a tiger suplex for a two count by Nakano. And then she holds on to Julia's wrist and – they get into this big slap exchange. Julia puts her hands behind her back just to tell Nakano to strike her. And then Julia retaliates and she slaps this woman so goddamn hard. I thought she was just going to crumble and that was going to be it. If ever there was a finish you would buy off of a slap, this was it. Uh, there's this brutal looking Michinoku driver and then Tem Nakano hits the Twilight Dream for the victory at 1856. Uh, the new Wonder of Stardom champion is Tam Nakano, and yes, Julia got her head shaved. And this was no, we're just going to cut off the sides. No, she got her whole head shaved, and they've they put up the video now of like her new look. I've got to say, WH, I don't think the bald look is a bad one for her. No, it looks fine. I mean, I think it's a chance for her to develop it like a a, a different kind of side of her like a new character and give herself a harder edge until like eventually her hair is going to grow out obviously but um i thought as great as julia is and i've been a big proponent of julia from the get-go from her start in when she jumped over to to start on from ice ribbon and i thought oh star she's a star she's gonna be she was, main she event was improved last year of like anyone I thought, you know, where where she was when we saw her at the Tokyo Dome to the end of the year, like it was quite the transformation she had. But you got to give tons of credit to Tam Nakano. Like she she has really stepped up from this, you know, kind of lower card wrestler from when I first started watching Stardom maybe three years ago to developing into being a member of Wedo Tai, leaving Wedo Tai, being paired up with Mayu in, in stars and then forming her own group, the cosmic angels with two other wrestlers. And, and then to this program with Julia, that's been kind of simmering for the last year or so. Um, I think, you know, Tom kind of inherited after the death of, of Hannah Kimura. Like I do think like if, if, you know, 
I do think like Julia would have been paired with Hannah in, in a storyline for the course of the, the past year if Hannah didn't die. But, you know, the other thing is, is Arisa Hoshiki, who was the previous Wonder Stardom title holder, she retired without losing the belt. I think this was a storyline that was probably going to be for them and it'd be over this title. So it's, it's really interesting to see how, you know, fate kind of put these two in this position together and they just produced like some it's a magic for lack of a better word john so that was the show it's really it was a really strong show and they've now put it up on stardom world so if you want to go check it out i i highly recommend the show it's uh it was i i thought just a home run show in terms of you know such a big show with a lot of eyes on them and they drew very well. I think the fact that they topped 3,300 people at Budokan for stardom to do that, I think that that's a win. I think without a pandemic, you know, like next time they want to run a building that size, I think they have a very good chance if they keep the momentum that they're on right now that they can draw like, I don't know if they're going to draw capacity in a place like Budokan, but I, I do think they can at the very least double this attendance. Uh, two more things to get to before we wrap things up. All Japan has announced the lineup for their annual carnival tournament. It's going to start April the 9th and run through May the 3rd. And uh, this year, they're running uh, one block. Uh, it will feature Suama, uh, Kohei Sato, Kento Miyahara, Yuma Aoyagi, Koji Doi, Shuji Ishikawa, Jake Lee, Shotaro Ashino. And I know you're excited about this one, WH. Shinjiro Otani. Yes, Shinjiro Otani and his dad haircut. I love it, John. What can we expect from Shinjiro Otani? This this is going to be quite the march through this month for Shinjiro Otani at this at this age. Well, how old is he now? Let's let's look him up. He's uh I mean, this guy, I mean, an all-time great uh junior heavyweight. So he was born in 72, so he's he's 48. He's 48 and he's still fucking awesome, John. Like the times that I've seen, cause he's in zero one. I don't get to really watch a lot of zero one because for the most part, zero one is kind of shit. You know, don't at me folks. Don't at me zero one fans. Uh, but he's still awesome. When he ventures outside of zero one to have like matches with other wrestlers and other companies, he always looks good. Um, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people from, he's definitely going to look a lot better than Kijimuto. He could he could end up being the story of this carnival. When you look at the opponents that he has, I mean, dude, an Otani and a Shino match. I mean, I always like when you have one of those in here where it's just it's all new matchups and Otani is like he's not gonna win this thing, but he's gonna be must watch on all of these days of like I he's certainly got my curiosity okay. to be here. Okay. My sleeper match with Otani that I think is going to be a banger is him and Yuma Aoyagi. Yeah, I could say th- – think of like some of these people like wrestling Otani is like going to be a pretty cool deal for some of these people. Oh, definitely for sure. But I like the fact that it's one block, John. I think you have a, a, a tighter block and you, 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 you eliminate like the chances of like having some really bad matches. I, I don't see too many opportunities to, to have bad matches. Like I, I don't know Koji Doi. He's kind of like hit and miss sometimes, but I think with the right people, he'll, he'll generally turn in a decent performance at the very least. And I don't think he'll, he'll he, he won't Daichi Hashimoto this, this tournament. Let me just say that. But I, I think my prediction for the winner is is the new heelish 
Jake Lee with his new Shinsuke Nakamura-like pants. Not the baggy shit ones, the, the tight ones that, that Nakamura did, wore when he came back from Mexico the first time. He looks fucking awesome. I like this new uh, group, Total Eclipse. He he stole the Enfant Terrible you know, um, unit from Ashino, and I think he's going to win the carnival. I think he's going to dethrone Suwama finally, and I think they're going to build towards him and Ashino as the big program going forward after that. So the first night, April 9th, has Suwama versus Sato, Zeus versus Miyahara, Yuma Aoyagi versus Shinjiro Tani. So you're going to get WH's sleeper match on the first night. Ishikawa versus Koji Doi and Jake Lee versus Shotaro Ashino. So um, you'll get anywhere from four to five matches per per night uh, throughout the carnival. I think I that, that first night sounds fucking awesome john kato mirahara versus zeus always always a great match can i can i just recommend a match i i recently saw from ship shinkiba first ring it's from the uh what is it the uh the march 6th show at shinkiba first ring it's a uh, next dream atsuki ayagi yuma ayagi and kendo mirahara in a six-man tag against the purple haze team of of shikahiro irie izanagi and zeus and john if just watch from the get-go, it starts off with Zeus versus Yuma Aoyagi, and it's so awesome. They're just like – they just hate each other, and they're just beating the shit out of each other. And just the rest of the match is awesome as well. It's, it's definitely watch that over anything else. You don't have to watch anything else on the show, including the main event. Just skip that. Just watch the six-man. Well, I – you did send me that match, which I have not seen. However, I did watch the tag match from Noah on uh, this past weekend uh, for the GHC tag titles. Uh, do you want to describe the ending to this match? It was, it, it actually made me angry watching it. I, so I apologize, John. I, I sent you that match and I thought, and I said, this was awesome. But I, I knew the ending would likely have that effect on you, you know, create that emotion in you. And so I apologize for that. But I, I think it's still an awesome tag team match and it's a great um, match. But I, I hated this ending. I I know, and and I both hate it, but I kind of thought it was really cool as well. But I don't want to see like that ever again. So basically, it's um, it's it's you know, it's uh, Kitamiya from the Aggression. Uh, him and Nakajima have reformed the Aggression, and I love this tag team, John. I love their first run together because one, it's a natural pairing because they were both trained by Kensuke Sasaki. Um, and they split up and they reformed, and I'm just so happy that the aggression are back. But I think I think Kitamiya's got got Sugiera, uh, him and Sakuraba, were, of course, the tag team champions at the time, uh, in kind of like this, you know, seated kind of, I think the Indian Deathlock. And at one point, they call like, it the, the Prison Break, the prison, the Prison Lock, I think. And Sugiera is like kind of trying to get up to alleviate the pressure. And then at one, at basically Kitamiya just kind of shoot, not kind of, he shoot headbutts him so hard. He busts his own head open. I think he legit knocked out Sierra and the referees just stopped the match. It was just brutal. Like was, he's, he's instantly like his head is cut open from this headbutt, the shoot headbutt. Um, man, it just took me right back to Okada and Shibata. I just do not um, need to see these, but it was so, it, it, you know, and I that was the finish. That was it. It was like this knockout finish while he had him in the submission. It's probably the most violent thing I've ever seen. It, like I've seen wrestling this year, and not that I've seen the uh, the AW uh, joke of a main event uh, with the with the bomb, but uh, 
<laughs> I heard that was pretty violent, but I that I don't care how violent that was. This one legit headbutt was more violent than anything I've ever seen. I've seen not ever seen, but just seen this year in wrestling. I, I'm I'm stunned that this finish didn't get more um, attention on it over the past week. <sighs> Me too. I. I, I think I thought it would have been gift like crazy, but you know what? You know, sparklers and a wet fart of an explosion, you know, kind of just took everyone's attention, John. Uh, this same show, which is the setup, what we'll talk about the, the show coming up this Sunday, it also featured uh, Keiji Muto, now Michi Marfuji, and Masato Tanaka beating Kaido Kiyomiya, Goshiozaki, and Yoshiki Inamura, uh, with Muto submitting Inamura. Keno. Defended the national title, beating Kendo Kashin. And earlier in the show, WH Park's um, not his pick for wrestler of the year. Kazuyuki Fujita beat Manabu Soya with a powerbomb. And that will set up Kano and Fujita for the national title as the next program uh, for that championship. Yeah, I'm so excited about that match. I can't even – you know, I have to correct myself, John. I know what drew attention away from the, the shoot headbutt. It was Keiji Muto attempting and failing spectacularly to do his handspring elbow oh, into the that corner. Was, that was tough. And it's so embarrassing because that, that thing was fucking gift beyond, like, beyond crazy. More than probably the AW Farfire Deathmatch thing. So on that note, uh, Sunday is the, uh, the Noah show in Fukuoka with Mudo making his first defense of the title against Kaido Kiyomiya, who he beat last year. And I am not sensing a title change coming this quickly, WH. Um, someone threatened to have a match with him. I think it was Junakiyama. <laughs> so I can totally see him. I think Mudo's getting Jiyama. a run with this belt. I just I don't see them doing it so quickly, even though I would argue Kiyomiya should probably be the one to beat him. But I I imagine he loses this one, um, and he has to lose because God knows they cannot do a draw uh, with Mudo in 2021. And yeah, maybe it's Kiyomiya has to go on a much longer journey back to this title. I don't know what the booking of this will be, but I I would be very surprised to see Mudo drop the belt so quickly. Um, I I I just think it's so terrible if he loses, like Kiyomiya loses to Mudo again, especially for you know, with the heavyweight title on that uh, line. But I, I can see like, you know, cyber agent trying to like, kind of, you know, they just drew 4,000 built around Mudo. It's just, I don't think they're going to like, this very much feels like that, that Hulk Hogan reign when he, when he came back in 2002 and they put the belt on him and, and to them, they, they did take the belt off him three weeks later. Uh, I don't think that one's going to happen here with Mudo. I do think they're going to try and get as much – like, I mean, the guy signed a two-year deal, right? I mean, uh, what do you do with him after this title reign? Well, I, you know, here's the thing is like, you know, like the thing is like Cyber, Cyber Agent has their big, you know, Saitama Arena show, which is going to have all – three of their brands tjpw ddt and noah and they say they're going to have like cross promotional matches and you know they have to draw people to the saitama super arena during yeah. a pandemic in june, so yeah. what would be what would be a, a big match that they could do june akiyama who is the do you know ddt kod openweight champion versus the ghc national heavyweight champion keiji Mito, legend versus legend and maybe you know, Akiyama's going to win 
the title again from Udo, and then oh they gosh. can do him going through as a DDT roster member, not as a Noah member. So they can still have like the interpromotional aspect, kind of the invader angle with with Akiyama if he wins the title against Goshizaki, against Nakajima, and then then I would build up Kiyomiya somehow <laughs> back to to you know number one contendership even though he's lost to a 58 year old man twice um i don't know we'll see it's it's at least fascinating to discuss isn't it yeah i mean i want to see how it goes down on sunday uh before we judge but that is happening um kind of uh under the radar but on sunday uh stardom's doing a show and there will be a three-way involving their top three champions with uh hayashishita Tom Nakano and Natsupoi. And that sounds like that could be a great match. That sounds like a great match. One thing I, I forgot to mention in like our stardom talk was that I think the direction Tom has to go in with the, the Wonder of Stardom title is to do a rematch with Mayu Iwatani. I talked about there's this awesome 15-minute time limit draw between these two, and I want to see another match with with stakes attached to it and, and be have a longer time limit to it. And I think... The Wonder Stardom title match between Tom Nakano and Mayu Itani it has to be it. And I think that will do, that will be an excellent match, I think. And I think it, if built correctly, and you can, there's so much history between Mayu Itani and Tom Nakano that it can draw really well for stardom. Well, there you go, everybody. That is going to wrap up this month's edition of Post Pro Res. A lot of, uh, interesting stuff coming up. Will you be watching this Noah card on Sunday? Uh, yeah, probably at some point. I don't know if I'm going to watch it live or not. Um, maybe. Uh, definitely at some point I will, John. Probably not everything. Like, honestly, like, the well, main what event. What have they announced for this show? Like, I, I can't even find the card for this. I found, like, two matches announced. Oh, I, I you want to run it down? Yeah, if it's, you've got the card, I would love to hear it. Cause yeah, I, it's, on the, it's on the Fight TV uh, site for this for this show. So, six-man tag team match, Shuhei Tanaguchi, Tanaguchi. Hajime Ohara and Yohei versus Yoshiki Inamura, Kinya Okada and Yasutaka Yano, so kind of veterans versus the young boys. Singles match, Akatoshi Saito, why, versus Muhammad Yone, why? Uh, and then they've listed this match twice as both a singles and a tag team match, which I, one's bad enough. Uh, singles match, Yoshinari Ogawa versus Junta Miyawaki, that should be fun, at least. I think Miyawaki should get a push. Beat Ogawa, the veteran. Uh, six-man tag team match. Keno and Hao and Neo versus Fujita, Kendo Kashin, and Nosawa Rangai. So, oh, all your favorites. Jesus Christ. <laughs> GHC Junior Heavyweight Championship match. Uh, Seiki Yoshioka versus Asushi Kotoge. That should be fun. That should be mm-hmm. good. Yep. Uh, special eight-man tag team match. Katsuhiko Nakajima and Mr. Headbutt Kat- Masakitimiya, Manabu Soya, and... Oh, I hate this guy, Tadasuke versus Goshizaki and Naomichimaru Fuji and Takashi Sugira and Kotaro Suzuki. So, you know, seven out of eight, not too bad. And then finally, our main event, 58 years old, Keiji Muto, hottest wrestler in <laughs> versus some has been named Kaito Kiyomiya. Well, there you go. It's uh, quite the polarizing show uh, that they've got. But um, yeah, as WH mentioned, it's on Fight TV and they do have the regular English commentary now. And I thought that was like a big enhancement uh, overall that uh, Noah has now uh, with the English commentary uh, for these for these shows. Now they had them for last weekend and this one coming up. Yeah, I think, you know, Stuart Fulton and, and Mark Pickering 
just really i really enjoy their work i'm not a huge fan of like i i just tend to prefer japanese um commentary but like if if they're on i'll I'll listen to it because i do think they they really enhance it for like the the uh the english-speaking you know fans of presley noah and it's Waiting's birthday on Sunday. So what more than a successful title defense for KG oh, could you happy provide? belated to you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm, uh, I did say, I did message you privately because I yep, know you did. You did. I, I think that, you know, I just thought, eh, I just want to see it publicly. I'll just send it to you privately, but I got to send something publicly to, to Mr. Waiting because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have those reservations. Probably I say to him during, you know, when we uh, record re- the last episode of Rewind Division this this Sunday, this Saturday. That's right. Yes. Uh, so check out all of that uh, that WH has going on. So on Saturday, it will be a new edition of the Long and Winding Royal Road with Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics joining WH Park. And what is on the menu as you guys travel back twenty five years? Well, first of all, I think it's going to be really interesting for those people who are familiar with Brandon. Like he doesn't talk about the business end of things here. He, we, we actually talk about the wrestling, which I, I, I'm a big fan of his, his WrestleNomics stuff. I, I love when he comes on the show with you, especially at post wrestling. Um, I just thought I'm going to reach out to him because like he's always liking the, you know, the stuff I talk about with, with all Japan with the long and winding road, road stuff. So I, I reached out to him and said, do you want to talk about a match with me? Pick one. And he picked, you know, you know, the real world tag league finals from 1996, Misawa, Akiyama versus Kawada and, and Tawei. And, and we, I, I don't know the last time I'd seen this match. It was, so it was really fresh for me to see it again. Um, I love this match, John. I gave it five stars. Easily one of the best tag matches I've ever seen in my life. Um, go watch it, everyone. I put a link up on on uh, on my Twitter, and it, it's going to be in the show description as well. Watch it first, and then listen to this show. But you know, we talk about Sabu in all Japan in this tournament, John, because there's a highlight package of the tournament before we get to the actual match. And my God, what a train wreck Sabu was! And it's like, wow, I I kind of wonder why he burned every bridge he ever had in Japan, and you know, maybe based on like this performance that I saw. Actually, Alan Farrell put up some gifts of like his involvement in New Japan for wrestling, and it was as spectacularly bad as the stuff you'll see in the highlight package for this All Japan tournament. That sounds wonderful. Uh, well, one of the best parts about the long and winding Royal Road, then there's there's many great things, but All Japan Pro Wrestling, this era, very, very user-friendly in terms of accessibility online. It It, it is, and... And uh, if you know the right people, John, and there's even more stuff that's not out there that's accessible to you, but I'm not going to talk any more about that. <laughs> he is the invisible hand, W.H. Park. And then he concludes the weekend with the finale of Rewand Division. Him and Wei Ting will be reviewing the making of WandaVision documentary, which should be very interesting. And the next weekend, you guys are kicking off a whole new series. You're starting from scratch. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start reviewing the the, the Falcon and the Winter Soldiers show. Uh, we're still thinking of uh, a name. I don't know if he's put up a contest in the forum yet. Um, I I just don't want Brandon from New Jersey like sending me ideas, and as well, no more ideas from John Cena either. They're they're all bad and they're really annoying me. Uh, so just send them to Way if you have ideas for the. I'll probably veto if he says, "Oh, this is from Brandon." I'll say, "No." This is from John Cena. No. Otherwise, I like both of you guys. I'm just joking. Except for, like, I'm going to veto all your show name suggestions. 
So check all of that out. Uh, send your suggestions to Wei Ting. You can follow the man at WHPark9, the number nine. And we will be back in a couple of weeks with another edition of Post Pro Res, uh, probably in time for the carnival, maybe coming out of a uh, Sakura Genesis. So that is a uh, to be determined, but check out of, uh, check out all of WH's work at postwrestling.com. He is, uh, churning out quality content on a weekly basis uh, on the site. Buy the t-shirt, everyone. Store.postwrestling.com, 20% off for all patrons. Check it out now. Don't look like a jobber.